Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment are no strangers to controversy. This past week, the WWE has come under scrutiny from a number of organizations and publications objecting to two particular and related storylines. HLA, or Hot Lesbian Action on Raw, and the same-sex wedding of Billy and Chuck on SmackDown. Like any subject of controversy, there's been a tremendous amount of positive and negative reaction. i got to be honest with you here. Some people are really PO'd about HLA. On the other hand, Billy and Chuck have been embraced as positive role models. Well, folks, it's been quite a week. Tonight, Vince McMahon is here to address the entire controversy. I think our television program has to reflect what's going on in society, various parts of society, and there is no subject matter which we can't touch in one way or another. Later tonight, here on Raw, Eric Bischoff presents HLA as in hot lesbian action! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 5 of the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast. The only place where we decipher and dictate the Ruthless Aggression Era of the WWE pay-per-view by pay-per-view. As always, I am joined by my co-hosts. Up first is the host of the CJ Show, that is Christian. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, that's bad, Dave. So... Yeah, really good, thank you, man. And also joined by the driest man in sports entertainment, that is Mike. How are we doing, my friend? Not too bad, guys. How are you? Bro? Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, obviously, since we last recorded, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, have we been up to much? Work. That's all I ever do. Yeah. I've, uh, I've had a week off, um, and I've basically done jack shit the whole week. Just played loads and loads of Skyrim on the PlayStation 4, the new edition one. Brilliant game. Um, and I've been filming stuff for the CJ show, as usual. Uh, apart from that, not really much, really. So it's now been, um, it's nearly been a week, we're recording on Saturday, it was this time last Sunday, uh, myself and CJ went to go and watch WWE Live in Leeds. Uh, CJ, overall thoughts um, in regards to the show? Roman Reigns, yeah, Roman Reigns was over, um, the main event was brilliant, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, loved that, how he went for the table at the end. Um, it's a shame that this one, I don't know if you noticed this Dave or Mike, uh, when you go to a live event, do you not just get so annoyed that... The live events always are better than the TV events. It's like they try, yeah. it's like they try that little bit more. It, 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 because it's not on TV, I guess. It's yeah. because they're like, well, well these guys are fake. Well, I, yeah, I agree, I agree with that, but you can still do fun interactions on the TV. Yeah. It makes it more real to me. No, I t- totally agree. Um, I think the event itself, to say in the, in the Leeds Arena, what did it hold? 12,000. I think there was a great atmosphere. There was a buzz. It went a little bit flat when they came back after the intermission when it was a Sin Cara versus Curtis Axel match. But Curtis Axel 
he tried his hardest to get the fans back up and going when he was trying to shake hands with Sin Cara. Went to the ringside to shake hands with a fan and the fan just pulled his hand away and uh, swiped his head uh, to, to dodge the uh, the handshake. So that got a little bit of a buzz again in the arena. And Yeah, it was a, it was a good night all around. It, it was my, I took my missus. Um, she'd never been to an event before. Uh, she's gone, as, as I've spoke, well, I've spoken to lads about in previous uh, previous conversations, she's gone from in two years from despising wrestling to watching it every now and again to buying t-shirts and now going to a live event. Uh, so yeah, it was, overall it was pretty good. And then on one one note I would like to say, WWE, you've got enough money, yeah? Lower your prices a little bit. Jeez. When you go to those live events, they pull your pants down, don't they? Oh, the merchandise stands, everything. Every, apart, we, we looked and the cheapest thing you could buy would be, was the Wyatt uh, sheep mask and they were £5. Everything else was £25 and upwards. A the fucking programme. A programme. 15, 15, quid. 15 quid for a programme. What's dollars What's dollars Like $20? Yeah, along them lines. About $20. But you're talking what maybe... It looked, let's say, 20 pages thick. Yeah, I suppose it's memorabilia, but still, it's... Um... I, I, the way I looked at it, me, I had no problem. I, I'm, you know, I went and bought a Cesaro shirt because I thought, hey, it's cool, it's red, it's Cesaro, it's cool. But I'm thinking more along the lines of, what if you're like, you know, you're a family and you saved up all year round to just go there, oh, yeah. and then when you finally get in through the door, they're like, oh yeah, your little kid wants this John Cena T-shirt or a Roman Reigns chest vest or whatever, and they said, oh yeah, I did one. Sorry to put in, I did want one of them Roman Reigns chest vests. They look brilliant. I, I, yeah. <laughs> But there was forty-five pounds. It's disgusting. Will another legend fall? One by one, he eliminates all that stand in his way. A decade of destruction, inflicting pain and causing agony, have led a dead man to the next big thing. Brock Lesnar, the Undertaker, the WWE Championship. WWE Unforgiven, three days away, only on pay-per-view. So, it is Unforgiven 2002, um, it is September the 22nd, we are live from the Staples Centre in Los Angeles, California, with 16,000 in attendance. Now, this was the fifth annual Unforgiven pay-per-view and the first under the WWE name. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler did commentary for Raw, Taz and Michael Cole did commentary for SmackDown. Now, the event's theme song uh, was Adrenaline by Gavin Rossdale, which for me personally was up there with one of the better ones, and it looks like we're starting to now come into this time where all the pay-per-views have got a solid rock track behind them. I love the idea of all rock music getting pumped up to pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm not a massive fan of rock music, but I think it fits perfectly with wrestling as, on, a, on a whole. The, what are they called now? Can't remember the bloody name. Shine, Shin Down, Shine Down, is it Mike? Shine Down. Yeah, Shine Down. I, I listened to the whole album. I really enjoyed it, and that's only because I heard them uh, for the Monday Night Raw opening theme. I, I like them. Yeah. It's, um, like, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Creed. Only because. Yeah. Creed. Only because and uh, Saliva. There's uh, another one I really like. Um, I'm not going to name them the band, but uh, there's just one rock band I really like, but. For unfortunate circumstances, there's a reason why I can't actually like that band anymore, and I think you all know what I'm talking about.
prior to the start of the pay-per-view, um, on the pre-show, which was Sunday Night Heat back in the day, um, you had, check this out, Rey Mysterio versus Chavo Guerrero. Well, that's amazing for Heat. So that sort of tells you that the pay-per-view is going to be good then. Very. Well, if you're an outsider looking in, right, so you think Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero is on the pre-show, how good is this card going to be? Uh, that can't get on the that can't get on the card. Yeah. But let's let's play a bit of, a bit of devil's advocate. Who do you replace to put this match on the card? Hey, Red Sox. The the opening match for the Americans. Yeah. Disagree. Completely disagree. That was uh, that was for me. That was the opening the opening tag match for the Un-Americans. Kane, Bob Ray, Dudley, and Goldust and Booker T. That was. I, well, at first I'd have thought, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crap, you know, it's gonna be horseshit. Um, but when I watched it, I was like, you know what, they proved me wrong here. Yeah? Those guys probably knew going into the pay per view that everybody wasn't gonna be looking forward to their match. I wasn't looking forward to the match, but then when I watched the match, I was like, hell yeah, this is a good match. Yeah, but we'll uh, we'll get onto that shortly. Uh, Rey Mysterio picked up the win on the uh, on the Sunday Night Heat with the six one nine in the West Coast Pop to win the match in eight minutes and fifty seven. So nearly getting a nine-minute match on the pre-show. Uh, imagine something like that happening on the present day. You can't, just can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, as just discussed, we get to the first match on the card. It is our four-on-four four match. Uh, we have the Un-Americans of Lance Storm, Christian, William Regal and Test versus Kane, Goldust, Booker T and Bubba Ray Dudley. So as we've seen in the last few weeks of Monday Night Raw, uh, the Un-Americans, uh, they've now got William Regal in the fold. Um, Kane, Goldust, Booker T, Bubba Ray, uh, they've all been kind of running out helping each other. Reiterate what I said. Awesome match. Um, I, I mean, I, I know it's for one. Uh, that, well... The first thing I would like to say is test. Um, guys, for those people at home who listen, you surely know by now I'm not a fan of test. And just to rub salt in the wounds, if, if he would, um, him just coming down to ring, shaking his head, nodding his head, thinking he's it with the American flag, looking really cocky. That's not, you know, I'm not even, I'm not, that's not even heel heat that I'm, I'm thinking that. I'm just like, get off my frigging, my frigging screen, yeah? It was just annoying me the way he did that. And then the other guys, they were just like acting like heels. But he was just, he looked out of place. It didn't look like he belongs there. I watched the whole match, could not get into it even for a second. Then again, I was just constantly cheering for Regal the whole match. Yeah. Oh, I've always been a fan of William Regal. Heel, face, doesn't matter. William Regal's always got a pop from me. Yeah, he's William Regal. He's um, one of the most underrated wrestlers ever to uh, lace up his boots in my opinion yeah he was just his own demons yeah. I think his own, his own demons prevented him from excelling like when he won the king of the ring on Raw uh, and they moved him to the general manager's position it looked like Regal was potentially I think the talk was they were going to maybe run the strap with him but then he um, got suspended for his demons which is horrible horrible to think that because we sorely need I think everybody in the UK would agree with me that I think it's long overdue now. We need a UK champion yeah. in the WWE. It'd be brilliant. Bulldog missed missed it with Bulldog. Oh, he should, he should oh, it. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was 
Wade Barrett missed opportunity. Yeah, I was never a big fan. Barrett on a mic was pretty good. Barrett in a ring never did, never impressed me at all. Um, I would say that somebody that they're wasting at the minute and who probably will want to leave with the way they're treating him is Neville. What yeah, the hell are yeah. they doing? Like, what are they doing with him at the minute? I know we're, we're talking about Unforgiven, but I've just we've got to give a shout out for our boys in, in the from the UK in, in in the US. You know, Neville. The thing is, if he goes in the in the cruiserweight division and it, he gets beaten by somebody like T.J. Perkins or the Brian Kendrick, not saying they're not good wrestlers, but it would probably take away Neville's credibility if he got beat by one of those guys. That purely because he's an ex heavyweight champion in NXT or world champion, however NXT uh, class their number one belt. Mate, look at him. L- just look at Neville. He's a cruiserweight. Yeah, but look, look at his body. Look at his physique. He's the way he's oh, yeah. He's stock it. He's like Chris Ma- he's the Chris Masters of the cruiserweight world. He's got a cracking physique, but he's not. You, can, you, can you see Neville going one-on-one with Undertaker? Neville going one-on-one with Brock Lesnar? Ne- even Neville against Chris Jericho, he looks out of depth sometimes. He's, he's all well and good with his flip to dos Why not do your flip to dos in matches with other people that do flip to dos but when you say that, that's like saying something that same same for Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is probably smaller than Neville. Yeah, Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio was, Rey Mysterio was, was world heavyweight champion. Yeah, only because Eddie Guerrero died. But, I agree with Dave. So who would it take, to go who, who would have to die for Neville to be the champion? Uh, exactly, nobody. There's no, there's nobody. Yeah, it just annoys me. It annoys me. They're just getting out like. Yeah, but, but TNA do it, and I know TNA are nowhere, you know, they're down the, the shitter at the minute, but... Edwards, he's their world champion at the minute. He's a fucking mediocre tag team wrestler at best. And he, they did it with agree. Chris Sabin. He's a, he's a, if on WWE terms, he's a cruiserweight, a very good one, an absolute fucking brilliant one, but he's not an heavyweight champion. Him against Bubba Ray Dudley looks stupid. Yeah, I guess you have got a point there. <laughs> You have got a point, but I just want to see somebody British. The the, the point of the whole thing we're saying is somebody British needs to hold that title yeah. within my life my lifetime, please. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, it may happen. Look at progress wrestling. That's where they got uh, Zach Saber Jr. and uh, Jack Gallagher. They're they cruiserweights. Yeah, progress wrestling. There's there's loads of heavyweights they could they could draft. One of them guys could end up being WWE champion one day. Yeah, it's whether they it's whether they're willing to take a look because it seems to be at the minute NXT is very focused on your little guys or your sort of indie darlings, your like your Samoa Joes and your Austin Aries, um, your Bobby Roods. So it's whether they, would they branch out and try and go out there and grab some. Yeah, they just signed Big Demo, aren't they? And Tommy End. They're big. Big Demo is that the uh, I don't. He's a big guy with a beard, long hair. Big Damo, well, I thought he was British. To be, uh, well, when I say British, I thought it was, I thought it was in the, uh, England. Is he, well, he's, he's from Ireland, is he? Belfast, Northern Ireland. Part of UK, but... Let's move on to the anti-Americans against... So, the finish of the match is Storm goes for the superkick on Kane. Kane reverses him, puts him into a... Goes to a choke slam, then Christian gives him a low blow. Then Landstorm gives him a superkick, goes for the one, two, three. Kane kicks out. Um, and then we get Booker T. He's up, and Booker T does a... Uh, well, does the uh, kick to Landstorm. Then Christian gets a beatdown from Booker T. Booker T goes for the kick again, then gets lands on the ropes. And then Christian knocks Booker T outside the ring. And then it, Bubba Ray gets in the ring and gives him the Bubba Drop, one of my favourite moves ever. 
Um, and then William Regal gets involved as well. William Regal knocks Bubba out of the ring. And then Goldust, he gets his uh, his comeuppance here. Gives a, Is it called the curtain call? Is this yeah, what, the what curtain is it? call. Yeah. Shattered yeah. dreams. Shattered dreams, that's it, yeah. Is that the kick, Chris... that's the kick in the corner into the nuts? Yeah, kick the balls, yeah. yeah. Shattered dreams to Christian, then test to out nowhere, gives Goldust a big boot. Kane flies off, gives him the flying lariat. Uh, and then Lance Storm gets himself in the ring again while Kane stood there looking around as if he doesn't know Lance Storm's there, but he really does. And then Kane gives Lance Storm the choke slam. And then Kane attacks William Regal. And Kane goes to the one, he goes to two, and he gets the three count. So there you go. Team America win the match. Team America. So eight minutes, 58, uh, the baby faces win. Uh, for me, perfect opener. Uh, perfectly booked. Entertaining. The f- well, well into it. Well into it. It's um, they, they knew full well going out there that they needed to put on a show. Like I said before, the, going in, they knew this was the match that was going to be frowned upon. Nobody really wanted to watch it. Yeah. Um, but th- this has put numerous other matches on the card to shame, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It, it, it would. I think it surprised me going on first with that being the opener. But with the way they had the um, the Team America go over, you can see why it was uh, why it was first. As I say, it was a perfect opener for the pay per view. And it gets Americans involved. It gets the the American crowd pumped. Exactly. Well, the rest of the world would do why. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I was disappointed. My un-Americans did lose again. Uh, Un-Americans, obviously, always been a big fan, even more of a fan now. They've got one of my boys, William Regal, in there, but they're losing again, and it's not looking too good for the un-Americans. I didn't get why Kay was involved. He was born in Spain. He's Spanish. Yeah, but in wrestling, he's... Well, he hasn't. He isn't in wrestling. He's from nowhere. He's from parts unknown, which, as we know, is a state in the south of America that has people like the Ultimate Warrior from there. Papa Shango lives there. Um, it's it's quite known for wrestlers. It's probably as big as Samoa. It's parts unknown for its wrestlers lineage. Let's say. Hashtag Fatty Offense. Quick one for you. Where's Bray Wyatt from? Um. Because I haven't heard them oh, say yeah. parts unknown when he comes out. No, I don't. I don't think they do. They don't seem to pay much attention into the the from where out. people are from anymore. Yeah. No, unless it's in their hometown. Yeah. They should announce where they're from. I like. I like. Yeah. From. Westbury. Yeah. Westbury. <laughs> fucking West Newbury, Massachusetts. Fuck That's off it. Yeah. Fuck off with your John Cena references. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I used to love it where they say where they were from and how much they weighed. It kind of built, built it up a lot, picked it up a little bit more. It made it a little bit more important. Yeah. Made them look bigger than they actually are. They do that with fake billing for everybody, more or less. Oh, Always yeah. adding a couple of inches onto them. Well, it's like big cast. The face of these toys. Like- but who, 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 the thing is, is why can't they lie? Of course they can lie. Who's going to be able to say no, he's not seven foot unless they actually stand next to him physically when it's very hard to stand next to a wrestler in real life uh, unless you catch them on the, on the day, day off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, know, you know it's bullshit, but you got to believe that bullshit because there's nothing else to believe. I believe he's seven foot. I believe... I, in fact, you've, you've, you've upset me a little bit by saying he's six foot eight. Because I actually thought Big Cass was seven foot. Yeah, but it doesn't work in the sun, though, does it? This is Big Cass. <laughs> no. And mark my words, Big Cass will be the next US champion. Mark my words. 
He will be he will be a US champion. Oh, so you've downgraded him. No, 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 no. He will be the world champion at some point next year. I, I guarantee it. But the next championship he'll be getting will be US championship. Big Cass. And you know why? Because, because he's big and he's got the look. And he's got he's the he's got the Vinnie Mac look what? all over him. Yeah. Vince is like Johnny Knockout. He likes big, sweaty men. <laughs> He's, a, he's, he's the tall Triple H, isn't he? He's got that look. If he's the, if he doesn't get any injuries, you know, if he isn't if he's not if he's an in, not an injury prone wrestler, mark my words, he's, that guy's going to see some gold. Unfortunately for uh, Enzo, he's got the mouthpiece, but in ring, sorry. He's making manager. Oh, it's terrible. Fun. Yeah, he's he's one. Of, he's probably the worst on the roster. When it comes to him ring, he's, he's he's very fortunate that he's bloody brilliant on the microphone. When we when we were in Leeds, um, that was one of the things I was looking forward to the most. Big Cass and Enzo coming out, so I could have a sing along with them. So up next is our Intercontinental Championship match of the evening. We have the defending champion Chris Jericho going one on one against the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Well, ladies and gentlemen, last month on pay per view at SummerSlam, it was Y2J and the Nature Boy. Another night that Jericho wants to remember. Oh, you got that right. Probably one of the sorriest nights in the life of Y2J. He couldn't believe that this happened. The figure four applied by Rick Flair in the dirtiest time of the game. Obviously, Jericho and Flair, uh, these two met at SummerSlam. And like most unforgiven or backlash sort of pay-per-views, uh, they feature a rematch of that previous pay-per-view encounter. Uh, the difference here is that Jericho is now the Intercontinental Champion and he's defending it against Nate, who, uh, a guy who up until this point has never won the title. Uh, so Ric Flair, he's, he's practically won every other belt on earth up to this point. He's not won the IC belt. Uh, coming into this match, what were your thoughts? Please bear this Please bear this <laughs> I was just thinking boring boring I wasn't look, I was this is one match I definitely was not looking forward to yeah it ran its course I think the build up that they had to SummerSlam was epic where there was uh, we, we've obviously we covered it where Fozzie was on the stage and Flair come out swinging his guitar and going crazy uh, they had an epic build up and I think they're just dragging it out now and they've put the belt on Chris Jericho they've put the IC strap on Jericho purely to kind of push this feud on another month is that um, a bit of creative, lazy booking slowly seeping into the, the product at this present time? Yep. I think they give it Jericho because they had no else from it at the time. So the end of the match, uh, Ric Flair he, um, hit a snapmare and dropped a knee to Y2J and then uh, Y2J countered with an inside cradle, goes for a lion salt and he misses the nature boy. Uh, Jericho then goes for the top rope, uh, uh, sorry, just goes for the ropes and he tells Flair that he's hurt. Um, it might be acting, but Flair stepped back as the fans boo. Uh, who knows, but uh, it's quite funny, I think, to be fair. Chris Jericho is always one to pander the crowd pretty well, uh, and he does it again. Uh, we all know Jericho's not hurt, but it's, uh, I do, I've always loved the finish of, oh, I've hurt myself. We all know what's coming. It's just a matter of time when it does. Uh, Charles Robinson, uh, Little Nate. Yeah, Charles Robinson, um, Little Nate, obviously from WCW. Always a good throwback uh, when they have Charles Robinson. Uh, refereeing Ric Flair's matches. Uh, Charles Robinson, he calls for a trainer, and now Jericho, he grabbed Flair from behind and retains the title with the walls of Jericho. The official's shocked, 
Flesh Pace has the uh, the full me once sort of look on him. Absolutely hilarious. Um, I think they did kind of find a way of making, like you said yourself, CJ, a very dull match into quite an entertaining match in the end and a good finish. Well, it couldn't it couldn't have been any worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I agree with the ending. The ending was was better. Uh, I do like the way that Jericho just sort of like <laughs> popped out of his boots when he got up. Um, but yeah. I think they they, they 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 made Flair lose, but didn't make him look weak. That was the, I think that was what they were that trying was to the do. Key. Yeah, that was because at this moment in time, yeah, Flair's been in a feud with Jericho the last couple of months, but Flair is still a big name on the the Monday Night Raw roster. Yeah, he's um, yeah, yeah. Flair. That's all I'm going to say, man. He's, <laughs> he's 2002. It's not 1995, 1996. Disappeared. Yeah. We've had enough here, Rick. Cheers. He was too old back in the 90s. I, w- I would say he's... No, I, w- I wouldn't say he was too old back in the 90s. That was his prime, I'd say, 90s, mid-90s. He was winning titles left, right and centre. And in the 80s as well, and in the 70s. But 2002, you know... He's just he's he's there for a paycheck, you know. Yeah. That's the only reason he's there. He's and not he's name, not there because he wants a, massive, a career out of it. And he is a massive name. That's the thing. Even though he is now getting on, it's 2002 and Ric Flair's good days are like I've just said are long behind him. But he is still a massive name in the whole in just wrestling as it's as a whole. You name me one WWE event where somebody hasn't gone dressed as Ric Flair. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, obviously, like we said, in the end, Ric Flair, uh, he gets defeated by Jericho. Jericho re- retains the WWE Continental Championship in a 6-minute 16 affair. Mamacita. Uh, we're going to the third match here at Unforgiven, and it's between two of my boys from SmackDown, Edge and Eddie Guerrero. What more can I say? These boys, every time they go in the ring, they steal the show, and this was no different to any other match that they've had. It just seems that when Edge and Eddie Guerrero get into the ring together, they produce magic, and when they produce that magic, um, you can see the, the fans getting behind them, and, and uh, people are invested, such as myself. Um, Edge gets... Uh, some good offense in against Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero does one of his nice little spots where he uh, grabs the arm, jumps on top of the rope, uh, turns into Hurricane Rana. Love that move. I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, and yeah, and then we get the free amigos as well. That get, I get that gets put in there. Edge gets some offense in again. Guerrero gets offense in again. It's really back and forth this match, and that's what I really enjoy about this feud. It's back and forth, and it keeps you guessing who's going to actually win the match. No, I'll agree. It was a great match. Um, I think maybe just a little bit more storytelling was needed uh, during the match, especially how they've had so many great matches on SmackDown and at SummerSlam. Um, I think the end of the match was pretty cool as well. Obviously, um, uh, Edge removed the turnbuckle turnbuckle cover. And it came to the point where Eddie Guerrero slammed uh, Edge's head into the uncovered turnbuckle, did a beautiful sunset flip, one, two, three, gets the victory. At 11 minutes 55, so yeah. Totally agree. Great match. I thought there was enough, a lot, quite a lot of good storytelling, to be fair. Especially playing on the part of Edge's concussion at the time. Please do go on. Edge had a concussion 
and uh, commentators were playing on that a lot. My only concern, though, really, if you look at this match from um, a fan's point of view in 2002, where are they going with Eddie Guerrero? Where are they going with Edge? Because uh, for me, it looks like they're a bit stuck in this feud. We've now gone from SummerSlam. We've gone to Unforgiven through the SmackDowns. Um, where does it go from here? It's, for me, it's not looking too good from it as it stands at this minute in time. No, I would, I would agree there. But if you keep watching the SmackDowns, I won't go too much into it, but if you keep watching the SmackDowns, these two do really turn up the heat. And there's one move that Guerrero does keep doing, which looks amazing, by the way. Um, the sunset flippy does off the top rope. Just yeah. awesome. Yes. He just makes it look... I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he makes it look any different to anybody else's. I don't know, but he just makes it look awesome. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So that leads us on to the next match in the card. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this one. It is Billy and Chuck along with Rico versus Rosie Jamal. Three-minute warning. The stipulation... If three-minute warning win, Stephen McMahon has to perform hot lesbian action. If Billy and Chuck win, Eric Bischoff has to kiss Stephanie's ass. That's it, isn't it? I should have known. I'm surrounded by a horde of lesbians. Or is this all about your 15 minutes of fame? I don't have 15 minutes. As a matter of fact, ladies, oh! <laughs> this was great. Now, is it just me, right, or is Eric Bischoff getting the ultimate win-win in this situation? Uh, that's, ex that's exactly what I said in the last podcast. He wins either way. Win-win. Do you even get to kiss Stephanie McMahon's sweet ass? I, I, I would, I'd love to just sniff it, to be honest. Guess it's, I'd lose on purpose. I told my guys to lose. <laughs> or you get to see her kiss a, kiss a lesbian. Like, win-win. As long as, the, as long as the lesbian's hot, you know. Win-win. But the, the only concern, and my concern coming into watching this, um, was exactly, and it seemed to be the same feeling as the fans. Um, they were way more into the result of the match and than the, rather than the match itself. Um, it was clear from the opening bell. The fans just didn't care. They just wanted to get to the end to find out what uh, Stephen McMahon would have had to have been doing. Um, but the finish of the match, uh, Jamal attempted to perform uh, his pop-up Samoan drop on Billy Gunn. Uh, but Gunn countered the move into a famous out on Jamal. Uh, Rico distracted Gunn, leading to Gunn confronting Rico. Jamal then pinned Gunn after a pop-up Samoan drop to win the match. Uh, so three-minute warning won at 6 minutes 38. And Steph McMahon now has to perform some hot lesbian action. <laughs> um, I was pretty good at the, my, you know, she lost. Our guys, my boys lost from SmackDown. Um... But, yeah, to, uh, just to reiterate from what you just said about the match itself, 
wasn't that good. I was more interested in what Rico was doing. Rico was hilarious. Um, he doesn't get enough credit in this match just for the his his I won't say storytelling, but just the way he acts. You know, he's playing a camp wrestler, and when they get him and when Billy gets him in the arm lock, he's just like jumping around, waving his arms around. It's hilarious. Yeah. He, and he, he just he's really good at doing that, playing on the fact that he is a camp wrestler and he's really in character. All I can there's only two words I can say about this match. Fatty offense, snooze fest. This was easily the worst match on the card. You people deserve your own world champion. Exclusive to Raw, the number one brand in the history of sports entertainment. You may recognize this world championship. It's been worn by some of the greatest champions in the history of this industry. The next match on the card was for the World Heavyweight Championship. It's the title that's on Raw currently between Triple H and Rob Van Dam. Um, I know we discussed this coming into uh, well uh, in the previous episodes of Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Rob Van Dam in the well, it, it's not the main event, is it? But he's in the main event picture of Raw. Um, it still doesn't sit well with me. It's, it doesn't no. belong. It doesn't feel like he belongs in the main. He's not a main event guy. He's a this good guy. Exactly what... he's, he's a brilliant talent, but he's not main event. No, it's exactly what I said. What I said before, uh, we this is something me and you do agree on, is <laughs> RVD does not belong in the main event. Yeah. Smackdown and Raw rivalry there, but he doesn't belong in the in the main event. Um, he's not. He's only over with the guys who are twenty one to thirty who smoke crack. Uh, smoke not crack. Smoke <laughs> weed. He's that's the only people he's over with, and he, you know he, he's a great guy. He's got a great personality, great move set. But there's only so many Rolling Thunders I can see without getting bored. See the match now. Yeah, yeah, I would I completely agree. Um, how the, the the one thing that that bugs me though is the fact that you know just before the match when RVD looks at the World Heavyweight Championship and puts it on his waist, it looks good on him. Yeah. The World Heavyweight Championship looks good on RVD. It's just a shame that he he would never be able to carry that title. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely totally agree. As you said, one of the main feuds heading into Unforgiven on the Raw brand was between Triple H and Rob Van Dam for the World Heavyweight Championship. On September the 2nd, Triple H was awarded the newly created World Heavyweight Championship by Eric Bischoff, and he retained it against Ric Flair. However, Van Dam and Flair defeated Triple H and Jericho in a tag team match when Van Dam pinned Triple H. And then the next week, Van Dam won a number one contenders match. Uh, Triple H cost Van Damme's WWE Intercontinental Championship during a match against Chris Jericho. And in retaliation, Van Damme attacked Triple H during a title match with Jeff Hardy, setting up this evening. Now, as we just said, Van Damme is seriously gaining a big babyface push in uh, in the back end of 2002. Uh, Triple H had the um, sort of the opposite. It was obviously Easy E being the GM at the time, uh, GM at the time gave the belt to Triple H for just being Triple H. Um, start of the match, I don't know if your guys uh, picked up on it, there was a massive You Screwed China chant. No, I did not I did hear not. that. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I did. Sure, and I'm sure it wasn't uh, in the di- directors at uh, Rob Van Dam. Well, in what way are they, why are they saying that? Like, as in, like, he had it's sex a, with her? It's or? a long time, isn't it? Yeah, so at the time, um, obviously China and Triple H, they were seeing each other, um, they were engaged, Triple H cheated on China with Stephen McMahon, and through his relationship with Stephen McMahon, it um, pushed China out of the door, let's say. Well, on that note, that just shows how much of a dick Triple H was back then. So the match itself, after a back-and-forth match, uh, Triple H, he knocked the referee down. Triple H attempted a pedigree on Van Damme, but Van Damme countered the move and performed a five-star frog splash on Triple H. After Van Damme checked on the referee, Triple H performed a standard low blow on Van Damme. Triple H attempted to hit Van Damme with the sledgehammer, but Van Damme performed a spinning heel kick onto Triple H. Then Ric Flair comes running down, retrieves the sledgehammer. He appeared to hit Triple H, but then turns around, whack, it's Van Damme with the sledgehammer. Obviously turning Ric Flair heel, it looks like. Triple H then pins Van Damme after a pedigree to win the match. So it was quite a nice swerve in the end. 18 minutes, 17 seconds, Hunter retains the gold after defeating Rob Van Dam. So we've got big things on the horizon for Ric Flair and Triple H now, as we'll see in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely something special. Um, just a couple of notes I've got from the match itself. Um, the first note I have is the um, little mockery our video does uh, of Triple H. With the, with the water, that, yeah. With... Yeah, I don't... It is, it is brilliant, awesome. I just don't know... From my, my my point of view as a wrestling fan, there's no need for it. In a world championship match, no need for it. Um, great entertainment, but logically, I just don't think there was any need for it. Uh, probably the only reason why they did that is because the match was pretty stale, in my opinion. Um, and the the bit with Ric Flair attacking um, RVD with Sledgehammer, brilliant. Absolute genius. Gives Ric Flair a purpose. Yeah, Ric Flair's now got something to do. It was a lovely swerve. Um, I think the match itself, it was for, it was just over 18 minutes long. It was um, a decent world title match. Too long. That, well, some some may say that. I've seen more. I've seen less stalls in the marketplace. I don't. What no, I noticed about this match, our uh, JR from the start of the match to when Flair went down, constantly mentioning Flair. JR was constantly talking about Mick Flair throughout the match until he ran down. So, all right, so they were like, sort of like, you reckon they may have been like planting a seed in your head? Yeah. That's weird how yeah. you say that, actually. That, no, generally, that's, that, that is, genuinely, that is 
that is strange. Maybe we're uncovering some of the WWE secrets right now. <laughs> they're planting seeds in our heads by saying a certain name. Um, it'd be they'd be pr- pretty bad if they did that during the Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh God! Well, when is Triple H going to be making his appearance? When we're not expecting him to come out. Yeah. <laughs> it was like at the uh, the Royal Rumble that he won the title. It was like the world's worst kept secret that Triple H was going to appear. And he gets to 29 and he's not appeared yet. And it's like, well, there's no surprise on what number 30 is. Yeah. I think um, the best thing about that match was entrant number three. AJ Styles, yeah. Pretty that phenomenal. Was... Pretty phenomenal. That was, was phenomenal. It was. And he, is, he does slowly fall into that bracket of indie darlings, but AJ Styles is pretty phenomenal. Well, to say how far he's come. Yeah. Within the space of what? Five, well, what, January. So we're now in. So that's ten months, and he's already champion. Well, he's, and he's, he's one of the biggest names on the roster. The biggest name on SmackDown. The biggest name, yeah. I'd say that. I, I, people don't go to watch Ambrose; they're going to watch AD Styles. Yeah. It's only a matter the of time. That moves the cab. It's only only a matter of time before we see, and it'll happen. It may be a year away, but it'll happen where they'll cross over to the other brands at some point. And we're going to see Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles, and that, for one, should be an epic match. That and uh, Samoa Joe AJ Styles—that's going to happen. Yeah. But uh, with, yeah, I, I'm looking. We've seen that, that one. But we've seen that one. Yeah, I agree with Mike. We've seen that one. We've seen that. But what if you're a WWE, a WWE fan who's only just started watching the product True. and has never seen TNA? You got YouTube. Yeah. Fuck Daily version. YouTube. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Up next it is Trish Stratus versus Molly Holly for the WWE Women's Championship. Now I don't know about yourselves guys, but it's looking like that Trish Stratus is now starting to get that push. Uh, we're starting to see the early stuff, and um, she's picking up a bit of steam. Definitely, I can see Trish Stratus. She's 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 getting there. Uh, I can remember when she debuted in two thousand uh, with TNA, and um, oh TNA uh, when she came in with uh, Tess and Albert, and I just thought she was always just going to be a piece of eye candy for the guys. However, she transitioned and she proved us all wrong, um, as we all know as wrestling fans. But at this point in time, two thousand and two, yeah, you can see it slowly coming. Uh, I do think that they're missing a certain ingredient in this, though. Um, um, Chris yeah, Nowinski. Yeah, yeah. After all the build-up over the last few weeks. I could, I would love to have seen him take some part in this match, uh, whether it be him just stalking Molly Holly or just being a perv on the outside. I think that would be great just to have a bit more oomph to the match. What's that story? What story? It would have added more to that story. Yes, it would definitely have added more to the story. Um, maybe he could cause this, 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 yeah, this, I'm so sorry I'm going to get words out tonight um, a distraction Yeah. a distraction for Molly Holly or, uh, I don't know prefer one to go with the clean win than have a have like a dusty finish so she's she become the new champion on, on merit more than on the fact that she got distracted <sighs> I think we all know the reason for this it's 2002 it's women's wrestling Nobody, unfortunately, is interested in their actual wrestling ability. Yeah. They're more interested in, in their breasts uh, and what sort of clothes they're wearing or just staring at the crotch. I do that still. 
Um, but, but you know, unfortunately, it's true. You'd, you back then, you you weren't interested in the actual women's matches. You'd want to go. That would be, as you would call it, a piss break. Um, which is unfortunate because watch the match back is actually an all right match. It's not amazing, but you know they can both wrestle. They were both good wrestlers, but that weren't the style of women's wrestling back then. Yeah, it, they've come a long way since two thousand two. No, but it's not even that. It's come a long way since about 2010. It's been the same for years, as we'll see further down the road. It's the same, and it just gets worse to the point where you've got Kelly Kelly's exposés and all this bullshit. It's, there's some, um, at this time, at this period of time, 2002, there's some unbelievably good women's wrestlers out there. But there's probably even some unbelievably good w- women's wrestlers on the roster, but we've never seen them wrestle properly. We said in, uh, on the Raw and SmackDown interviews uh, podcast... Tori Wilson has had some matches and she can do some moves, but again, she's one of the reasons why men don't watch it for the wrestling because yeah. she's beautiful. And like Trish Stratus, I think that's if you look at the matches or any of her matches, to be fair, where she's wearing a you know long uh, trousers and, a, and a, a top that basically covers her. Um, maybe that was WD thinking, yeah, you know, Trish is a beautiful woman. Let's not make her wrestle in some really tight, skimpy clothes um, and put her in some actual wrestling attire. Maybe that will get them behind the match. I don't know. Definitely. Definitely. I think, yeah, I I think personally it's just down to the fact that a lot of WWE fans at this present time, they're looking at the women's product and they see it as one thing and one thing only and that that's sexual content. They don't look at a women's match and think, oh, I can't wait to see these two wrestle each other. There's none of that because that's not that's not what Vince wants you to think. He doesn't want you to think that way about his women. Did you think that... Did either of you two think that back in 2002, though? Because I definitely wasn't interested in wrestling much back then. A no, women's wrestling yeah. match. I, I was no. 12 years old, so definitely not. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Which is a shame, but... we st- Everybody now... In 2016, whether you're a 15-year-old boy, 12-year-old girl, whatever, because of people like Trish Stratus and because of people like Molly Holly, um, you now have people like Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Paul Bailey, and um, the other one. Becky Lynch. um, Becky Lynch, yeah. There's all these that are coming. It's, it's, It's looking well for the women at the minute, but they just need to keep it going in this momentum and maybe pick it up a little bit. Um, but I think, uh, was it Sasha Banks? I think I read an interview uh, where she said that the, the Raw division needs more women. Because at the minute, there's like four of them, five of them. Uh, that The rest then she says it's people are going to get sick of watching her and Charlotte wrestle. And it's getting to that point. I want to know when they're going to start doing something with Bailey. to be honest. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. They're going to feed her gonna... to Nia Jax after Survivor Series. They're going to feed her to Nia Jax and maybe she'll get the upset victory over Nia Jax, which will propel her. Hashtag fatty offence. I think Nia Jax, because at the minute she's sort of aligned herself with Charlotte and, um, <laughs> you know, other one who's weird. Charlotte she's aligned herself. Yeah, but she's she's kind of aligned herself, but not aligned herself, where she's like, you, she always like jumps in and says, you're not the boss of me, you're not telling me what to do, even though she will then do what she says, what she gets told to do. Um, but yeah, I think there's that little bit of a women's tweener aspect to her where other fans going to be kind of, is that the aim? Is she going to be the next big thing? 
uh, in all senses of the word for the uh, the women's division. I think that what's in my eyes, hear me out. I think that Charlotte is going to accidentally hit Nia Jax at some point, and yeah. that will lead into a, it will lead into a rivalry with those two, and then Nia Jax will get her title. I think that will happen, and then Bailey will eventually get her win on Nia Jax. Yeah, I'd t- yeah, I'd go with yeah. that, and I'd be happy with that. Yeah, because everybody wins. So the finish of the match, uh, Trish, she reversed an Irish whip, turned it into a running bulldog, uh, then hit Stratus Faction. In the end of 5 minutes 46, Trish Stratus defeats Molly Holly for the women's title to become the new champion. Overall, the match did what it needs to do. The belt is now on Trish and we've got a new era, hopefully, in the women's division. Versus Chris Benoit, two of the greatest submission specialists going one on one. Here we go, my man. Angle Lock versus the Crossface. Who's going to come on top? Who's going to be victorious tonight? Brace yourselves for a huge main event. Undertaker X for Casey. I got Dangle, Benoit, Guerrero. the next match of the card we have got Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle now this for me an amazing match one of the best they've ever had um, obviously there's lots coming up in the timeline that we're going to see when these two get together this one was at the top um, yeah groundwork so much groundwork from Angle against uh, Benoit they go all in on the wrestling have, they go wrestling like amateur wrestling um, heavy at the beginning of the match which is brilliant I always like to see that, you know. Yeah. It, like, with stuff like, obviously, we, we've all mentioned it, World of Sport. So you do like to see a bit of actual amateur wrestling in there. Um, you get loads of, you get a Kurt Angle bear hug, um, Benoit reversing that. You know, it, it has everything in it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know which bit to pinpoint that's actually better than another part in the match. It's all just equally yeah, as good. Was, it was just solid all the way throughout. Um, a few moments I picked out um, 
Benoit, he performed uh, his diving headbutt. Uh, absolutely love when he does that move for a near fall on Angle. Uh, Benoit replied the crippled cross face on Angle, but Angle countered the hold into an ankle lock. It was an unbelievable, beautifully smooth transition. Um, so he countered the hold into an ankle lock on Benoit. Uh, Benoit then touching the ropes to force Angle to break the hold. Uh, then Angle applied the cross face on Benoit. Uh, Benoit attempted to touch the ropes, but Angle pushed the ropes away uh, with his feet. Oh, that was genius. And then after the referee was arguing with Angle, Angle then pinned uh, Benoit, sorry, then pinned Angle using the ropes for leverage. So an awesome match from start to finish, but with a, a shitty ending. It didn't require the ending. They could have thought about a bit more of a creative more ending than uh, a bit more creativity added into the ending, let's say, uh, than just Benoit using the ropes for leverage to get the pin on Angle. Well, it can continue the feud, though. Yeah, and fuck yes. me, I hope it does. <laughs> um, there was one move... Never want ended. One, one move that I did see in this match, I do believe it's this match, I saw it in, uh, Kurt Angle does the German suplex to Benoit, and Benoit goes full... He does a... What's it, 360? Yes. Straight yeah, over yeah, his yeah. head, yeah, and yeah. Benoit do, flips yeah. over as he gets German suplex. But uh, I think it's uh, Brock Lesnar is the only person. Yeah, who's, who's done that? Again. Well, who's had that done to him from Kurt Angle? There's only there's, there's there's I've said this before. I'll say it again. There's only so many people that can perfect a German suplex, and the I would say there's only He's three. Still... These two and Lesnar. Those are the only three that can do the German suplex and make it look. Lesnar's well, don't Bulldog. look as good, I don't think, as he was these two do. Bulldog was brilliant. I will, I will, I will have to say I'm sorry I didn't mention the bulldog. Um, bulldog could. I know the bulldog. Obviously, I know the bulldog. I know the bulldog because it's the UK. Um, but I didn't watch many of his matches because I'd got into it in 2002, Eric Bischoff, thank you. And then out comes, he brings out who called Hildegard, a rather large set woman, similar physique to a certain SmackDown wrestler. And unless you're five years old, you will be able to obviously tell it's Rikishi. This is what turned the Usos heel. <laughs> what? How did that turn the Usos heel? <laughs> You saw your dad dressed like that, would that not turn you heel? Uh, uh, I, don't, I just don't know. That's, that. All right, go on, mate. Go on. <laughs> Stephanie starts making out with Hildegard. Boy, he takes his mask off and 
Shock horror is Rikishi. Well, that 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 it just it, it doesn't make much sense. The fact no. that it, she's she's snogging Rikishi's oh, face off. Oh, <laughs> well, it's over and over again. Again, it's like three shows in a row. Now. We've had these people wearing masks or wearing a wig or surprising each other, one-upping each other. Still, you know, great rivalry. I do, I do like it, but it makes no sense. Butler, agree. It's disappointing. There's so much build-up with three-minute warning with Billy and Chuck, the rivalry of the last few weeks. Uh, obviously, three-minute warning with the little three-minute attacks. So much build-up, and it's like, is this the payoff? Or is this... I'm hoping it's not. And I'm hoping that tomorrow on Monday Night Raw, we're going to see the fallout from Unforgiven and uh, and, and see how this moves on with Three Minute Warning with Bischoff with Stephanie and see where it goes. One more thing I would like to add. Eric Bischoff, at this time, at this moment in time, with his you know dark hair, he does remind me of a Tom Hanks... Uh, not Tom Hanks. Tom Cruise. He looks a little bit like what? Tom Cruise. <laughs> He look. He looks like Tom Cruise now, though. He looks don't, like. Don't smoke drugs, kids. <laughs> you, look, you, don't, you look at him. He looks like Tom Cruise a little bit. Well, Eric Bischoff, CJ. After this recording, you need to be tweeting Eric Bischoff about that. Saying, <laughs> 2002. Did anyone ever tell you you look like Tom Cruise? <laughs> he did. He did a little bit. Moving swiftly on, it is to our main event of the evening. We have our current champion, Brock Lesnar. Facing the number one contender, The Undertaker. You desire to be in this business? You sacrifice. You sacrifice the time with your kids. You miss them growing up. But you have a goal in mind. You know that one day, all the sacrifices that you make, it's going to make it easier for your children. You just hope you're there to enjoy it. Sail through an empty night. So only you and I who understand. me over all these years i just hope they realize that that i give everything that i had in mind body and spirit we are, we are, we are, we are. 
Is it just me? Or was Lesnar a lot faster in this match than he was at SummerSlam? Or is that just because he was against Taker? So compared to when he was against The Rock? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the maybe the creative maybe had to have a word with him and say, look, you need to... Because obviously he's still green. Lesnar is, you know, Dave said it loads of times. Lesnar is very, very green still. You know, he's a champion. Rookie year, isn't it? Yeah, maybe they've just said, look, He's just learning. He's learning every match he's having. He's learning more and more. So maybe in the dark matches prior to this match, he's been getting his speed up a little bit, you know, because his own, with Lesnar, even though he's a genetic freak, uh, not taking that away from Scott Steiner, but because he is a freak, there's only so much he can actually do in the ring. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a big guy, but, you know, when you take him now, 2016 Brock Lesnar, all he does is a suplex. German suplex, German suplex, German suplex, F5, F1, 2, 3. Whereas 2002, Rock Lesnar, he's young, he's athletic, he's an absolute beast. 2002 could perform a shooting star press. Granted, we all, when we see it on the big stage, uh, we see it a bit further down the line. Um, it doesn't really end up well, but there's that famous video on YouTube where there's him and Shelton Benjamin, and he performs in a dark match to uh, shooting star press and executes it perfectly. And... Modern day, imagine Brock Lesnar, the thought of him trying to do a, uh, a shooting star press. He just, he just, Probably do it all over. Yeah, yeah, for me, he just looks bigger. He just looks heavier. He looks like a big lump. Is that due to the fact, though, he, with his training in UFC? Do you reckon that's got anything to do with it? Uh, yeah, I think. Maybe. Because you've got to be a bit more fatter, haven't you? You need a bit more power in them punches than that pretend wrestling that they do. Yeah, the conditioning. It needs to be more conditioned when you're in UFC, I suppose. Because um, you get... When you're actually trying to fight, I mean, like, you know, fighting for your life, which do you, you do in the octagon? Oh, they yeah. actually do fight for their life. Um, you've got to be, when you, it's you, basically, you can instinct, as well. if somebody's coming at you and they're trying to beat the shit out of you, you're going to have to be conditioned because if you get gassed, you know you're going to get your head kicked in. Definitely. Absolutely, definitely. So, as we said, the main feud heading into uh, Unforgiven on the SmackDown brand was between The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Uh, with the two feuding over the WWE Championship. On the August the 29th episode of SmackDown, uh, Lesnar became exclusive SmackDown wrestler. Stephanie McMahon made a single elimination series uh, to declare the number one contender for the championship. Kurt Angle and Benoit made it to the final, but McMahon put The Undertaker in the match after he'd just moved over from Monday Night Raw. Um, Undertaker went on to win the match in the following week. Lesnar and The Undertaker confronted each other. Uh, but during The Undertaker's match on the September the 12th episode of SmackDown, Lesnar threatened The Undertaker's wife, Sarah, and attacked The Undertaker uh, when he tried to save her. Uh, the next week, The Undertaker tried to attack Lesnar, but was stopped by Lesnar's security. So it was, um, as, as we covered in the old, in the previous episode with the storylines coming into this, this was one that was just, that little bit more um, thought, I think, got put into this storyline. Uh, people cared about it a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, was, I was definitely looking forward to this match. Um, just... Because you know it's not going to be a wrestling match. It's going to be a fight. It was a dog fight. Yeah. It's going to be an absolute fight, and it's personal. And that's what you want to see, something a bit gritty. A, a, a reason to, to to look forward to the match. A reason. Great storytelling always makes a great match. So towards the end of the match, we've got a bloody Undertaker. Uh, so you can tell that, obviously, this has gone into an absolute fight. Like Mike said, it's an absolute dog fight. And... It does a great blade job. Undertaker is going to get F5 from Lesnar, 
Undertaker does a great reversal, to be fair, to the Undertaker. He actually does a brilliant reversal there to get out the F5. Um, and then it ends up that it ends up being a, like a double DQ, a double like DQ match. Um, nobody actually gets the win. However, Lesnar does not lose to the Undertaker. Like I said, it was a dogfight from start to finish, even after the finish. After the finish, Les the fight up the ramp, then Undertaker throws Lesnar through the stage. I thought that was awesome. Yes, yes, well, that the ending, brilliant ending. Um, the pay-per-view did end on a great spot. Um, but I just wanted to, just to briefly touch over the pay-per-view as a whole. Um, not one match seemed to have like a definite ending. Every single match had something that meant the storylines continued. It felt like a merged episode of Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. I'd agree there, yeah. I would agree. It To me, personally, it seemed... Even though you had Lesnar and Undertaker in the main event, it still to me it seemed like a raw, a raw pay per view. I don't know why. Don't know if you had that. You yeah, get that feeling, it, but yeah, it was it was a raw, more of a raw feel to it. Yeah, which is strange, uh, because you do have. A, I'm missing the cruiserweights. There's no cruiserweights in there. Yeah, it's where's Billy Kidman? Where's Jamie Noble? Yeah, I've said this for months. Um, I've said this since they had that pretty epic encounter at Vengeance. Where's where, where's yeah where's the cruiserweights the title it's 2002 and the cruiserweight title doesn't mean fuck all anymore. Yeah, which is sad. It is sad. Uh, but as a whole, the whole pay per view, it wasn't bad. Uh, if I was to compare it to a wrestler, I would probably compare it to someone like I don't know. Oh, it's a hard one. It is actually hard to compare it to a wrestler. I would compare it to. Booker T. I'd compare. I'd com- you say Big Show. Yeah. Christian gets job done. Does it? Does does what he's there for? Pushes everything on. Nothing special. I I say I expected more. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I I said Booker T because, granted, he is the five-time world's champion. Um, but Booker T for me. He, he, like you said with Christian, he gets the job done. He's not. Um, he's a, for me, Booker T's an afterthought. Yeah. He's not. He's not like The Rock or Stone Cold or he's still there in WWE. You know what I mean? And I he's, think he, this pay per view, uh, on the grand scheme of things, is very much an afterthought. Very much an afterthought. Yeah, because even though I'd seen this back in 2002, I had to jog my memory a bit. To the the actual this 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 match, yeah. In the, the the main event, which is the Undertaker and Bot Lesnar, I had to jog my memory back to this actual match and say, oh no, actually now I can remember, but it doesn't stand out. Yeah, I remember the match happening, and I remember how the match ended, the result, but that's all I remember about that that match. But I watched it again, and Matt Hardy ran down. Why Matt Hardy ran down? I don't know. Yeah, but well, he. he, he Hardy is at the minute. He's 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 sort of on Heyman and uh, Lesnar's side. I think he just wants to be in their good books. It goes into this, like little I story. Think that last round is what turned him into Broken Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit thirteen years later. <laughs>
That's what I told him. Yeah. That evil maniac. He's just a pawn. He's just a part of it. Hey, boy, oh, that's my fucking clock last time. That's my buster, the Undertaker. So, that has been Unforgiven 2002. So, lads, um, match of the night and worst match of the night. Match of the night, for me, personally, due to the fact that I was most invested in, was the Undertaker Brock Lesnar. Uh, worst match of the night would have to go to the Divas. Sorry, Divas. I just wasn't, I wasn't, I just, like I said before, 2002, I wasn't interested in the women's match at all. Sorry. By far, until it's match of the year, I go Benoit. Definite match of the year contender. Worst match. I'd probably agree and say it was title match. So I'm not, I didn't even make any notes on it. It was that bad. <laughs> so yeah, the women's match. Yeah, totally agree. It's 2002. No one really cares about women's wrestling, especially Vince McMahon. Best match of the night. Angle Benoit by an absolute country mile. We're going to see many, many more of these matches to come in this time period, but this match for me stands out as the best. Uh, so, yes, that was Unforgiven 2002. Uh, next up, uh, we have the Raw and Smackdowns between Unforgiven and our next pay per view, which is No Mercy. So, while we're in, we might as well talk about it. The next pay per view from the WB is obviously Survivor Series. Uh, we've got Brock Lesnar against Goldberg, we've got the Survivor Series matches. Uh, we've got three of them on the card. Um, I'm pretty hyped for this. I don't know about your guys. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. CJ. I am more than invested. And I'll tell you why. The Survivor Series, for a change, they're actually going with the gimmick pay-per-view, which is the Survivor Series originally where they had teams. Yeah, and they're having three yeah. of these. Yeah, we're actually getting three. Um, the and then obviously... one's going to be a bit overcrowded, right? But... No, but that's how we... Are they going to both teams individually at once? Or... No, but that's how it used to be. Um, in the first Survivor Series, I think like the first one, the first and the second Survivor Series, you had uh, ten man tag team matches where you had five tag teams either side, so you had twenty guys in the ring. Um, that's how it was. You had guys like Heart Foundation, the Rockers, all the eighties tag teams were in one match. Yeah, which I'm looking forward to, and I think that obviously here's a, let's let's just digress a little tiny bit on this on the Survivor Series pay per view. Um, we will talk about the actual Survivor Series matches, but let's talk about what match do you think is going to main event Survivor Series? The men's five on five. You, Mike? I do. I don't I think the women will do it, do it this time. They may end up headlining again after the Rumble. Who the women? Yeah. And where do you where do you guys see Lesnar and Goldberg on the card? Oh, I forgot about that. That was headline. That's me getting completely carried away with all the Survivor Series matches. Um, yeah, every day of the week, Goldberg brought Lesnar will be main event. They've brought Goldberg back just for like they did with Sting to promote the WWE game. So that's going to be at the top of the card. It's that's a guarantee. Like I said, the little, the little eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy inside of me is going to be rooting for Goldberg. Um, and I, I, I am, I am seriously worried about Goldberg though in this match. I just don't know if he's going to be able to go. I think he might be quite gassed in this, and you could see the demise of Goldberg, which I, yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope to God turn, doesn't happen. It could turn bad. Yeah, but that would, 
you got to look on like a flip of a coin, really, because Goldberg. It, they've taken him. It's taken him twelve years to get back in the WWE ring, yeah. I, and we, we all know Goldberg's a very smart man, and money talks for this guy. So they're going to have to pay him quite a bit of money. Oh yes. I, I mean, a hell of a lot of money for him to just get a beat down from Lesnar. So I, I first Survivor Series in thirteen years, Lesnar's beat out as well. I don't, I don't think that he's going to get a beat down. I think, I think Goldberg's going to get... Lesnar will win. I think Lesnar will win, but I think Goldberg will give him a good run for his money. Uh, we have, obviously, Sami Zayn going up uh, for the IC title. Um, if Sami Zayn wins the belt, he brings it to Raw. And then on the flip side, you've got uh, Kalisto of SmackDown going up against Brian Kendrick. If he wins the Cruiserweight title... He takes not just the belt, but the whole division to SmackDown. Uh, can you see a bit of a, a switcheroo with the belts and possibly the division moving to SmackDown? Who's the yeah. leader? I see. No. Well, Sami Zayn will win and move to SmackDown. I, I see the Cruiserweights on SmackDown. I think the Cruiserweights would benefit from being on SmackDown more than Raw. I think, yeah, I would agree with that. See, I, give, I say if... Was three hours. Give the extra hour to the cruiserweights. The thing is with the cruiserweights, I mean, I think they're just it's it's, te- it's teething with them because obviously they've been on TV for about a month now. Uh, but what's annoying, and I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, we're seeing fucking tag team matches every week. Yeah. We're not seeing one on one matches. No they should not be exclusive to Raw. They should be exclusive to Raw. <laughs> and for, and NXT for that matter. They they. Should no matter what brand, Raw or SmackDown, the Cruiserweights will never be taken serious until they get rid of their stupid fucking purple colour scheme. I don't get it. Cruiserweights in 2002, Cruiserweights in earlier years, they don't have their own colour scheme to make them stand out. They're supposed to be part of the brand. <laughs> it's right. You're right. You're right. I'd, I'd, I, I don't know why they do that. And maybe it's to do with... Marketing for the WWE and the, t- and the tournament and the Cruiserweight Classic and all that bullshit. Maybe it's for WWE Magazine, Cartoon Magazine or something. That That's what brings to mind for me because yeah. it's purple and they're colourful. Maybe it's something to do with the magazine. I don't know. So, that has been Unforgiven 2002. Um, up next, as I said, is the Raw and Smackdowns and then we've got No Mercy. Um, so, as always, we have been your hosts. Uh, my name's Dave. I've been joined by CJ. Cheers, guys. And by Mike. Ladies. Until next time, thank you very much, guys. And as always, you know where we're at. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. If you are listening to us on iTunes through any device, please, please leave a rating or a review. We'd love to know if you are listening to us on there. And we'd love to know your thoughts. Same goes for Twitter at RA Era Podcast. Send us a tweet. Let us know how we're doing. But until next time, peace out, people. Cheers, guys. Who in the hell are you? I'm John Cena. John Cena, huh? Will you tell me what is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the